0: No condemnation. That sounds good. But if you were listening to that portion read in Romans chapter 7, you found yourself thinking, that's how I often feel. I hope you're not among those who have turned to that passage, verses 14 through 25, as a refuge or a place to excuse Well, even Paul, and some people think Paul is telling about a time in his life, we won't get into that debate, but somebody was telling about their struggle uh, to win over spiritual, to win spiritual battles, and they kept falling down, wanting to do the right thing, but not doing it. And I think we've all been there. And the question is, what do we do next? You're in a war zone. And it's not just the war from out there. It's the war within your own soul and spirit, as this passage brings out. And so um, what are we going to do about it? Well, you can roll up your sleeves and try a lot of things. And part of the essence of this whole chapter is people attempting to live the Christian life by keeping the law. Well, that doesn't go very far because quickly we break it. And so never read this passage in the latter verses of chapter 7 without going to the very last verse and then into chapter 8. So regardless of how some of the verses may seem to you in chapter 7 to be confusing, uh, what does this mean? Why do you say it that way? Forget all that you're in a war zone, you need help, cry out to Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul to write all of this and to come to one conclusion. Behold Jesus. And whatever is on your mind and heart, whatever the struggles are in your life, and whatever excuses you've made, and however bad people have treated you and all the rest, uh, at the end of the day, the great need of every one of us is to be brought to that place to where we have exhausted all other options, and we're ready to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, and then you get into chapter 8, and glory is, is, a, is a wonderful teaching of the reality of no condemnation. When you have sin in your life and it's not forgiven, lots of excuses are made, but you still have a spirit of condemnation. When you behold Jesus, he brings you to a place of freedom. Sin's forgiven, and not only that, but Jesus living within you to empower you to live the Christian life. Father, speak to our hearts empower us to experience the new life and the new walk of no condemnation that is ours in Christ who believe. Speak to every heart according to the need, and we bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are reminded in chapter 7, verse 17, of something that in case you have forgotten it, verse 17, sin is living in me. Then he repeats it in verse 20, that sin dwells in me. Now, all of this section is not given to give us an excuse, but to help us to understand the battleground. And whatever weapons you can whittle or come up with, won't suffice. They will not work. The only one who will work was Jesus himself. Sin dwells in the life of every believer. This side of heaven, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you will never be completely free from the pull of sin. We're not looking for a place of freedom from the pull of sin it comes with the territory so it's no wonder then that in Romans 7 verse 28 or 24 rather Paul says what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body of death so you're not going to come to a place where you no longer have a battle with sin somebody talks about sin oh (laughs) hey that's I don't deal with that anymore. That's past. I don't have to worry about that anymore. The war's over. Uh, You're deceived. The war ain't over. In verse 15 through 17, for what I want to do, I do not do. What I hate, I do. There's a continual civil war going on inside the heart. We know to do good. We don't do it. We know what's wrong, we fight against it, and then we do it anyway. We say, I will, and then we don't. We say, I won't, and then we do. We make a promise, and then we break it. We set a goal, and then we don't go after it. We get on our knees and say, oh, God, I'll never do this again. Then we get up and do it again. This is the human situation. Even for the believer, this is the result of our indwelling sin nature. So we cannot live the Christian life and deny this. We're dealing with the reality of the human nature. And it's rooted in the fact of chapter 3, verse 10, for there is none that does good, no, not one. Verse 23 of chapter 3, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the first step of deliverance, the first step of dealing with this is admitting the problem. And and many people, that's where they they lose it because they immediately go, well, I'm not so bad or I'm not nearly as bad as so-and-so. So the first step is admitting the problem and that brings a call, a need for this Powerful word, honesty. In chapter 7, verse 24, what a wretched man I am. Now, that's not the whole testimony of a Christian, but that's, that's a good beginning place. It's just reality. It's the human situation. What a wretched man I am. And apart from Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, that's all I am, honesty. And then secondly, in verse 24, humility. The question is, who will rescue me from this body of death? You, you've, you've laid down all of your good ideas. You've left your shop where you create uh, solutions and, and dream about this, and you say, in honesty, I'm a wretched man, and in humility you say, I cannot bring about my own deliverance. Have you ever come to that place? Is that your place where you live today? You're you're being honest and you're being humble. And this is followed, verse 25, by complete dependence upon God, upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Many times we are fighting the battle but we've left out honesty and humility, and we didn't put our focus on Christ. As long as I've got some good ideas, I'll be have a divided heart. I can do this, and, and if I get into trouble, Lord, I'll call you. <laughs> no. Jesus is the, is the answer to every problem, to every struggle. That's revealed in Romans 7 and any other place. The first step is dealing with our own sin in honesty. Oh, what a wretched man I am. In other words, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Instead of praying like the, the Pharisee, uh, I, I tithe and, and I do this and, and I'm not like these other people and I'm better than these people. And uh, no. No. Humility. Who will who will rescue me from this body of death? Honesty. I'm a wretched man. And then thanks be to God. And so Jesus is the answer. Now we can say that Romans eight that we'll start in and hope to get further in along the way. Romans eight is really a. a commentary on Romans 7:25. Romans 7:25 says, "Thanks be unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord." The whole of Romans 8 and beyond is a commentary, an unfolding of all that that means. And it's not the unfolding of a formula, it's the unfolding of a person, the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's God's intention that our struggle with sin drive us into the arms of Jesus. Not drive us into some formula. Not dr- there are all kinds of books, self-help books. That's a billion, mega, 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 billion dollar industry. And there are many people who are in pulpits and pews and people who are sitting at home and they have books and books on books coming up with solutions about how to handle life. And some of them may bring in a little bit of Jesus and some of the Bible, but Jesus and the Bible is not sufficient. If you're going to go with God, if you're going to take God at his word, there is is a problem. And it's got many tentacles, but there's one solution, and his name is Jesus. It sounds too simple, doesn't it? Well, it's profound, it is simple, and it's God's way. Thanks be to God, because in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, what do I have? Well, first of all, I have no condemnation. And that chapter, as you, many of you know, concludes with no separation. Those who are, in fact, in Christ are totally without condemnation. Now, in spiritual battle, as a Christian, one of the things you know that you still deal with from time to time is a spirit of condemnation. I can tell you one place that it did not come from, God. If you're in Christ, there is therefore now some condemnation occasionally in some circumstances, no, there is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And everything that the Holy Spirit says all the way through verse 39 of chapter 8 is simply an amplification of the wonders of no condemnation in every stage of life. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to raise my hand, I have a question. Uh, I was following along in my Bible, and uh, you read Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You say, well, that last sentence is not in my Bible. If you have anything other than a King James or a new King James, that phrase is not in your Bible. And we're not going to sit here and debate about whether or not which scholars are right. Later it is stated again, the same truth is stated again later in the chapter, that the same scholars who reject it in verse 1 do not reject it elsewhere. So I don't care if it's in your Bible or not. Well, frankly, I do care. Write it in. It's at a good place. It's in line with everything else that scriptures tell us. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who in Christ who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Donald Gray Barnhouse said many years ago, a soul that comes to the full realization that he ought to be in hell, but that in reality Jesus Christ took his hell and that there is therefore now no condemnation. Now, right now, no condemnation to them who are in Christ. That person is likely to be moved by that. If if you're not moved by that now... Hang around. Keep your Bible open. Stay afterwards. Get in a room by yourself. Go home and get alone. Open your Bible and cry out to God until you get astounded. A soul that comes to the full realization that he ought to be in hell, but that in reality the Lord Jesus took his hell... And that therefore there is now no condemnation for him because he is in Christ Jesus is likely to be quite moved by this truth. Let us shout for joy because we are in Christ Jesus and there is therefore now no condemnation. God has made a provision. For our continuing victory and deliverance in the midst of our continuing struggle. Look at verses 2 through 4. Chapter 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. So many of us think that if we are in spiritual battle, then we cannot simultaneously be in victory. Now, we can be in a spirit of defeat by the choices of our hearts. There's nothing here that's an excuse for sin. Uh, This whole passage here is telling us Uh, the way out, but victory does not mean no battles. It's a wonderful day if you're sitting here as a Christian and you're saying, boy, I had lots of battles this week. If you're not having any battles with the world, the flesh, and the devil, you may be in deeper trouble than you think. In this life, there will be battles. Now, true, we should be about the business of avoiding unnecessary battles. We should be about the business of avoiding double mindedness, which brings us into unnecessary battles. But the real victorious Christian life is victory in the midst of the war zone. In the midst of battles, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of hardship, tribulation, struggles with depression. Sadly, most people today, when they write about depression, preach about depression, whatever, uh, you'll wind up depressed or deeper in a ditch. But if you can run across the sermons of C.H. Spurgeon, who greatly and deeply on a long on-and-off basis had serious battles with depression. He didn't have any pills to turn to or any uh, shots to take. He didn't have any of the modern stuff. He had the Bible. He had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And again and again and again he writes and he tells about, and it was com- com- uh, or complicated, By the fact that he had serious battles with exceedingly painful gout. And he would at days at time be in bed. And yet from his bed, he would write letters to the church. Exhorting them in the faith and telling of his warfare. And telling of the sufficiency of Christ. Even as he was in that place. We battle from the position of the victory that we have in Christ. We're not sitting around hoping for one day of victory. If you're sitting around hoping for a day when you'll have no battle, that's in heaven. Not before. And it's good to have that hope, that confidence. But that's not for now. What is our victory? That we are in Christ and that there is no condemnation. We are in victory because we are in Christ and Christ is in us. Oh, maybe that's why the epistles emphasize some 50 plus times that truth about being in Christ and Christ in us. We need reminders of who we are, whose we are, and where we are. So in verse 2 of Romans 8, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. We are in victory because the work of the Holy Spirit in us is giving us freedom. The indwelling Holy Spirit has set you free from the law of sin and death. The moment that you, by the sovereign grace of God, savingly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, from that moment you have been set free because of the work of Christ at Calvary and because of the Holy Spirit who now lives within you and because of that listen carefully and we'll give you one sentence you don't have to sin anymore I didn't say you'd never sin but you're no longer a slave to sin, Romans 6 sin shall no longer have dominion over you you don't have to sin Uh, the best interpretation I can give you of that sentence is this you ready for it you don't have to sin this is not some rocket science that requires some sort of uh, formula that's hidden behind a rock somewhere you don't have to sin anymore you may have just sinned, but you can speak the truth to yourself. I'm in Christ. My sins are forgiven. I'm not under condemnation. Uh, Jesus, The blood of Christ has forgiven me. I don't have to live there anymore. I don't have to be in bondage to that attitude anymore, to that habit or whatever. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you Free. When Jesus comes in, he comes in and makes a difference. It's not only forgiveness of sins. There is no condemnation for the believer because the death of Jesus Christ has condemned the very thing that has condemned us. Verse 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weak, through sinful flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. Now, the earlier verses in Romans 7 would tell us plainly as other places as well, the law is good. Excuse me, the law is good. It's good for what it's good for. A mirror is good. You say I have some questions about that. I look in the mirror and I don't like what I see. <laughs> well that mirror is not designed to change anything. It was designed to reveal reality. If if I was uh 21 years old, and was looking in a mirror. Oh, what a young, handsome fellow that is. He's got a head of hair. I look in that same mirror today, and nothing has changed about the mirror and what it does. All it does is reveal reality, has no power to change anything. And the law is good. It tells us what is right from God's perspective. It tells us what is wrong. It can condemn you, but it can't save you. You're guilty. It can say, do this, do this, do that. But it gives you no power on the inside to do this or do that. It can't change your want to because our want to is not an exterior matter It's a matter of the heart. But what the law could not do, God did. And what the law could not do, we can't do either. What the law could not do, God does. How? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be an offering, to be a sacrifice. And so he condemned sin in sinful man. Why is it that the Christian can resonate with joy and happiness at Romans chapter 8 that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus? Because on the cross, when Jesus hung there, he condemned sin You can never be condemned as a believer for your sin. The price was paid 2,000 years ago. There is no condition for believers. There is no condemnation for believers because God has condemned sin in the death of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is amazing. That's amazing grace. Now notice... In verse four of chapter eight, that God did all of this so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. All that God has demanded are met or fulfilled in us. He has met and he has fulfilled them in us. The big word "in," not by us. Oh, here are the demands of the law. Roll up your sleeves. See how far you can go. No, not fulfilled by us, but in us. And so then God looks on the obedience, the perfect obedience of his sons and declares that everyone who believes him gets credit for what he did. I'm resting in his righteousness. I'm clothed in his perfect righteousness. I'm clothed in his perfect obedience. And therefore I'm accepted by the beloved. I'm trusting his merit. His merit has been credited to my account. And so the father sees me based on the righteousness of his son. Not only on the sacrifice of his son, but on the righteousness of his son. The moment you're given divine life, you repent, you believe, you're born again, The Holy Spirit goes to work in your life. He begins to change you from the inside so that the things that used to knock you down don't knock you down anymore. Places where you used to fail, now you have power because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. There's no condemnation. Your sins are forgiven. And now you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so you walk with the Lord relying upon the Holy Spirit The righteousness of Christ is credited to us and the Holy Spirit empowers us so we have new power and desire to live a new life. I read the story of a man in England some years ago who for much of his life had been deeply addicted to alcohol. He'd work and get money, take his money and go straight to the bar. Spend it all. He was about to lose his family. Often they did not have enough to eat. They were selling things out of the house that they needed. On one occasion, he was given ten shillings to buy a new pair of glasses, which he greatly needed. But before he got to where he could buy the glasses, he spent it all on alcohol. had almost nothing left and then somehow by the amazing grace of God he was converted to faith in Christ and the drink went out and he started spending his money on things that were needed food, clothing, things were going well and one day, his workers played a very wicked trick on him. They had a raffle. They didn't tell him about it. And they put his name into the raffle. And whoever won the raffle would, want, would win a large bottle of whiskey. He didn't know about this. It was all done behind his back. And so they drew out the ticket at tea break. And they sat him down and said, Jim, we've had a raffle now. We didn't tell you about it, but you've won. Oh, what have I won? And they put this large bottle of his favorite whiskey in front of him and handed it to him. Oh, thank you. He took it in his hand, rested it on his lap, and then he began to speak to the bottle of whiskey. Oh, my darling. The day was when you were my idol. The day was when I would have done anything for one of you. But that day has passed. He took it and smashed it on the floor. The men were amazed as they saw the whiskey flow away. You see, the newborn Christian is not only not under condemnation, but he has an indwelling new master to give strength and power and victory in the midst of whatever situation crosses your plate. You say, but I believe by the grace of God I am a Christian, but that's not my experience. I, just this week I fell flat on my, fl- my face. Your experience does not negate the word of God. You need to get before the Lord and get your experience up to the level of the word of God. Your only hope is that the word of God is true. If the word of God is not true, we're all in trouble. Look at verse two. He's God has given us new freedom. Verse three, He's given us new power. Verse four, He's given us new righteousness. This is the birthright of every Christian. You're no longer under condemnation, you are eternally secure. You have freedom and power and you're dressed in the righteousness of Christ. You're not only eternally free, you are internally free by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. You are internally free. You no longer have to sin. You are positionally perfect and practically you're empowered to win. Who is it that's not condemned? Those who are in Christ Jesus. Not every Baptist. Not every preacher. Those who are in Christ Jesus. When it comes to salvation, there are only two places you can be. You're either outside of Jesus and on your own, or Christ is in you and you're saved. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, you're condemned already. If you're in Christ, you're not condemned. Where are you this morning? Are you outside of Christ and lost? Or are you in Christ and saved and no longer under condemnation? You may have done the most horrible things in your past, but there's come a day in your life when you, by the grace of God, repented and cried out to the Lord Jesus, Oh, Lord God, save me. Make me the person you want me to be. Where are you this morning? When you come to Jesus Christ, you will discover and experience the most liberating truth in all the world. No more condemnation. No more slavery to sin. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you are in Christ. And Christ is in you. Jesus has paid your sin debt. And now he lives within you by his Holy Spirit. to grow you up in Christ-likeness. Oh, Father, we bless you for the truth and the glory of the gospel that, yes, there are so many ways where we can try to win spiritual battles and be religious and have all sorts of things and turn to all sorts of remedies. We thank you for that day when the Spirit of God in his great mercy brings us, oh, wretched man, oh, wretched woman that I am, who shall deliver me from this death, this dominion of sin, this slavery to Satan, self, and the world? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is no other way. We thank you that it is a glorious way. There is no other way needed. Jesus, the way, the truth, the life. No man can come to the Father but by him. We pray that this might be a day of people coming to faith in Christ. We pray that this would be a day when all of the saints of God go out of here freshly amazed and rejoicing. No condemnation. Indwelling power by the Holy Spirit to live the victorious Christian life, no matter the circumstances. We bless you, we praise you, we thank you for this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.